Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Zach and Laura then went away to college, one in Washington, one in Maine. And I'm like, well, that relationship's over. High school relationships never last. They stuck it out. They're married. And they just had their baby this year in 2020. Go, Zach and Laura. Hopefully named Timothy. Yeah, I was You know, say. They, they, they went in another direction. Don't, don't worry about Forget that. Forget them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Next. 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys. Fellas, how are you? Excellent, excellent. Uh, Happy holidays. Uh, We are a a day after Christmas, what they call Boxing Day, Ben Barton. Did you know that? Oh, dude, not only did I know that, the girls and I went to Lululemon today for the <laughs> Boxing Day sale. Uh, uh, I spent hard. some time in Lulu, and by the way, I picked out some nice shirts oh, for yourself. Lovely. Oh, oh, yeah, dude. And they uh, didn't, after five minutes of loitering, they didn't run a blood test or ask Oh, dude, listen, your, uh, it's COVID time. I wore an N95 mask. I went in, I grabbed the sit on sale, and I was gone. I was in and out of there in two and a half minutes. You need I'm one afraid, of those. Uh, I'm afraid to go in a Lululemon because I'll end oh, up on some kind of like. They actually, you know, they actually, it was actually more scary in the parking lot outside because yeah. there was a huge line and the whole thing. But once you got inside, it was fun. All right. But you, you're scared of being asked what you're doing in the Lululemon yeah, store. I'm, yeah, okay. I'm just concerned. Like, I'm going to go into a Lululemon <laughs> and be waiting on people who are shopping to be like, dude, just get out. You know, like I'm taking mental pictures of Lululemon shopping. Um, oh, dude, you got the beard and the hair. You could just—you're there for <laughs> yoga, man. You're fine. Right, exactly. Yeah. I just put the hoodie on. I'm like, I'm just here. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, uh, Jeff Simons, you, you're hanging tight. You're in Berkeley right now. Still in Berkeley. We did not travel. We canceled Excellent. travel. It was hard. We zoomed the night before Christmas with the folks yep. on the night before Christmas. That's and what then we, we did. Had some present opening Zoom. Uh, and then uh, my my brother-in-law organized a uh, in-law family quiz, three-part online quiz with breakout rooms and oh. questions based on family history. Oh! But I got in a group with um, a five-year-old cousin, <laughs> a twelve-year-old cousin, and uh, two of us who had married into the family. You lost. And so we were we. There were many questions where we were at an enormous disadvantage. Holy, like, what was the name of the hippo on the tree? And holy 1970s? shit, Jeff Simons, like y- you were seated at the kids' table. Is yeah, what well, happened. you know what? We we tied. We tied for first, and then we <laughs> lost. Uh, I actually lost on a music question to my thirteen-year-old uh, niece. Uh, well, let me see if you got the answer. Who yeah. is the only artist to have her first six singles go into the top ten? Uh, Taylor Swift. That's what I said. No, it's def- I- that's extra wrong. That's definitely not it. Well, it was not, not extra, extra wrong. wrong. It was just wrong. <laughs> no, no, that's terrible. I mean, if you know Taylor what? Swift, she was not. She was in the top ten of the country charts, but she didn't have top ten hits. So Our song is not a top ten hit. What's uh, the answer? It's uh, Mariah Carey or Rihanna. It's both incorrect. It's Ariana Grande. Oh, I like it. That's a good one. So I got. I was in the neighborhood at least. I was at least in the neighborhood. Anyway, I don't. You, uh, I don't count Taylor's country career. I, was, I, I start. Uh, I later. was happy to lose to my to my niece. It was a it was a good moment for her. So. All right, well, gentlemen, we're in two thousand three, uh, recording this late. It's going to be a quick 
turnaround for the production team. I'm a little worried about that <laughs> and whether they can do it. Um, but the uh, the intro is not going to be about the uh, Simon's Family Christmas. It's going to be about colonoscopies. Because, gentlemen, between the recording of this podcast Saturday night and the recording of the next podcast on Wednesday night, I am having a colonoscopy. Because- Timmy, we talked about the medical update feature. It's out. I'm out on the medical update feature. <laughs> This we is a public service this. announcement. No, it's not okay. Everyone no over no 50. No one tunes in to hear about your colon. It's a, a disaster. New, I, have Jeff- a new, I have a new cyst I'd like to talk about as well <laughs> next week that just appeared. All right. Well, <laughs> speaking of, um, yeah, let's go to the Grammy you, winner wait, wait, for wait, wait, wait. We're in it. You brought it up. Are you nervous? Are you excited? Are you anticipatory? I am like, not excited. What are your emotions? The purging begins tomorrow. I've got all the materials for that. Um, Jeff Simons, you've been down this road. It's not that bad, right? I no. thought it was uh, a piece of cake. Like I, I drank a bucket of liquid and then I had a Ben's, hilarious Ben's this whole evening thing. of no, no. Uh, Listen, not feel free to cut this. I've got I actually have celiac disease, so I can't eat wheat. And I've had um, oh. regular colonoscopies yeah. since the 90s. And I can wow. promise you that the prep is way better Oh, now. God, yeah. Way better now. <laughs> and the 90s? I used to have to drink two gallons of Drano and then, and then expel it. And then one of them, I came in, and the guy was like, well, you're, it's, it didn't work. And so we're just going to have to, like – treat it okay. from the other side okay. We're oh, go ahead side. and cut it i'm just saying you brought it up <laughs> 2003 grammy winner speaking of poop here's our song oh that was a good segue it caught me off guard it's the grammy winner dance with my father by luther vandross Gentlemen, the Casio Corporation. Back when I was a child, before life removed all the innocence, my father would lift me high and dance with my mother and me, and then spin me. stairs he would carry me and I knew for sure I was loved if I could get another chance another walk another dance with him I'd play a song that would So, what is that? What song is that? <laughs> that is a song I've never heard in my life called Dance with My Father by Luther Vandross. My 1981 pick, Luther Vandross, coming up years later. I just wait, can't even wait, 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 I've never wait, heard that in my life. And I thought, are we doing record of the year or song of the year? Because the record of the year is Clocks by Coldplay. No, this is song of the year. We've always done Song of the Year. You're the best. You're I, mean, the I can't best. even believe that's, I mean, first I've of, never heard that song. Dance with my father, a positive message about fathers and sons. Come on. By the way, um, co-written by Richard Marks. No way. Nice. Yes. You know, Get that so money, Richard Marks. It sounds exact. Now that you say that, it sounds yeah, exactly like perfect. right here waiting. That's perfect. Yeah, Bruce yeah. totally. Hornsby's got that like uh, drum machine that's on every one of his tracks. Richard Marks has that that click, fake snap background. And well, he, here's what I want to play. Uh, speaking of fathers, for 2003, could you play uh, 10 seconds or 15 seconds of "Martha, My Dear" by the Beatles? Yeah. 
That's it. That's all I need. In 2003, my daughter was born, Martha. And this was the first song I ever played her uh, when the hospital, strangely enough, uh, gave her to me to leave the hospital. And I put her into my car. I was like, geez, don't I have to go through some sort of testing or something before I walk away with this human being? Uh, But no, uh, apparently not. They gave the child to me. And this was the first song I played her. Martha, my dear. Woo! That's uh, a beautiful one. It's my really daughter sweet. Georgia was born this year, and I will have a story about that later. And, oh, awesome. Uh, and a young Will Simons was born. Yes! Oh, what a big year. It's a big what year. What a great big, year big for year us. for the next generation of the, of the podcast, for sure. Uh, all right. Well, um, uh, is your daughter listening, Ben, to the podcast? She'll sometimes listen if I make her. Yeah. She does Jeff. help me out with the picks though. We talk about the picks. Oh good. Jeff, what about Will? I have I am an island unto myself. Um all right, well me too. I would so say that the entire family has engaged with the concept of the podcast <laughs> for a total of about eighty-four seconds and has listened to or weighed in on for exactly zero seconds. Well they might listen once we're gone and uh kids, we love you. Nice job. <laughs> and you should have uh, paid more attention. <laughs> Good job, Jeff. Stick it to him now. <laughs> well, now they're getting the will that I left it all to somebody else. All right. Uh, 2003, <laughs> I got some events for you. The Human Genome Project is completed. 99% of DNA is figured out by scientists throughout the world. Isn't that amazing? Incredible. That's it amazing. Incredible. Really amazing. Um, Ronaldo joins Manchester United at the young age of 18. Quick story, student at Asheville School saw them playing on the TV, and she said, who is that? And another student said, that's Ronaldo. And she says, well, where's he from? And the student replied, he's from Portugal. And she said, looks like I'm going to South America. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) That was a great, great line. Um, Ben Barton, there was a food item that became particularly popular at the the U.S. Capitol. What was that food item? No idea. Help me. Jeff Simons, do you know? Was it Freedom Fries? It is indeed Freedom Fries. Freedom Fries. In 2003. Uh, Why didn't we like French fries at that time, Ben? You're still going to stick it to me more? <laughs> so, uh, didn't France Follow not help question. us in attacking Iran or Iraq? Iraq Wouldn't yeah. let us fly over their airspace, something no, like that? No, it's, yeah, they did not, uh, they did not, they were not down with the attack, uh, the invasion of Iraq. And so we canceled French wine and we canceled French fries. Freedom fries, Jeff Simons. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. what about them? You're the stupidest your thing. That's just the, the beginning of a of a endless cascade of uh, empty, stupid choices uh, made in the nation's capital. What about a banner uh, strewn across an air, aircraft that carrier that says "Mission, mission Accomplished"? <laughs> banner. At, at the, the mission accomplished was I walked outside to this podium. That was the mission <laughs> that had been accomplished. That well, was yeah. really embarrassing. He actually flew uh, onto the aircraft carrier. He our, did. Our president did. That was uh, impressive. Well, he didn't. I mean, he was in a plane that flew onto the aircraft carrier, correct? He was not word, actually behind the Word wheel. on the street we also, was... We did route the Iraqi military. I mean, the mission was not accomplished, but we did route the Iraqi military. That's true. Oh, yeah. dude, they were like the fifth biggest military in the world. Like there was an actual thing where they were like, oh, no, it could be harder than you think. And then it was not yeah. harder than we thought. Yeah. Although, you know, it's a lot harder than you think is governing that ungovernable country. Yes, right. indeed. It turns out that maybe having Saddam Hussein run it, you're like, well, that might be the maybe that's the answer. To- certainly, certainly not good for Iraq, but easier for us. Yeah, no. Oh, yeah. Um, It wasn't like we unearthed a bunch of like happy people who were really glad to see us. No, that's for sure. Uh, And Saddam learned our lesson, and we haven't made bad (laughs) political, geopolitical decisions since then. So you know, mission accomplished. It's always always about what we learn, is it not? Um, All right, Uh, Roy Horn um, is injured in two thousand three. 
Do either of you know who Roy Horn is? Is he a volleyball player? He is not. <laughs> I don't know who Roy Horn is. Oh, so, I would have no idea. Do you know his friend Siegfried? Oh, is he the tiger? Yeah. He by the tiger. He's attacked by one of those white tigers, which I don't know if you've ever seen videos of tigers being tamed or trained, but. Ugh. Are you asking a man in the end of 2020 if he's ever watched tiger footage? Okay. I went through Tiger King like a hot knife through butter. Oh, did you? I didn't. I did not. Was it oh, good? I'm all about it. Oh, yeah. It's t- I mean, it, no, it's terrible, <laughs> but it's unwatchable. Like it's unwatchably fantastic. I could not turn away from the car. The car trash that was. Tiger ben Barn, did you get into Tiger Kingdom? No. Once again, no. Jeff is a useful expert on the podcast. I'm ashamed to say I know nothing about Tiger short. Attack. You guys, I gotta correct. tell you, you, you miss out. Some every once in a while, the thing everybody's talking about only takes about four and a half hours of your life and is as <laughs> horribly provocative as everyone suggests. You know? And then you get to get in on the conversation. I'm in on the com- Yeah. No. Um. I imagine that was really a horrifying thing to watch live when the tiger oh. you've heard chris rock's bit about that right like what does he do? like the tiger went crazy he's like the tiger was crazy when he was wearing riding a little tricycle in a hat <laughs> he went tiger when he started eating that guy <laughs> <laughs> that is terrible all right well uh let's get to the number one hit of 2003 it's the number one hit in the club by 50 cent Go, 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 shorty. It's your birthday. We gon' party like it's your birthday. We gon' sip a party like it's your birthday. And you know we don't give a fuck if that's your birthday. You'll find me in the club. Bottle full of bub. Look, mommy, I got the eggs. If you're in the taking drugs, I'm in the having sex. I ain't in the making love. So come give me a hug. If you're in the getting rough, you can find me in the club. Bottle full of bub. Look, mommy, I got the All right, this is 50 Cent. Is is Dre his producer as well? Yeah, this song is produced by Dre for sure. Okay, so d- who are the rap acts after Fifty Cent that Dre's going to produce? Because I remember you mentioned him as one of our top three producers of all time, right, Ben? Yeah, I mean, I think he started based. I mean, it's a little mean to say, but he's kind of peaking now. Okay, he, continue, he stays on with Eminem, um, and he does a couple more things with Fifty Cent, and then like he he did discover some guys. He discovered the game, who I really like. Mm-hmm. Um, he's one of the original guys who who spotlighted Anderson Pack, who I love. Um, but oh. I mean, basically, in terms of like gargantuan, massive number one hits, this is the the peak of his production career. You know, I and I mean, I think the song is ridiculous on many levels, but that sound is undeniable. I oh mean, yeah, it sounds fantastic. It sounds. I'm super fantastic. sad though. I think that the second biggest hit of this year is Ignition Remix by R. Kelly. Oh, which we can't. Yeah, I have nothing further to say except that I've seen R. Kelly live. That's how I've twice. I've seen R. Kelly live twice. That's how much I love R. Kelly and Ignition Remix. But otherwise, I don't. I'm not going to cop to anything else. Okay. Yeah. Good call. Um, So Dre's on top of his game. Fifty Cent. uh, Is he on the top of his game? Is his? Is this his peak as well? Oh yeah, by a mile. Oh totally. Yeah. Except for buying the vitamin water stock. That worked out really nicely yes, for him, it too. Really did. He's like a kajillionaire now. It's unbelievable, That's that guy. So smart. Uh, let's get to our impossible question, which is this question about artists and record companies and that relationship between the artist and the record company. Uh, Jeff Simons, you've just produced and then manufactured your own album correct yeah we do it out here in the garage we got a, print, <laughs> we got a press it's pretty great that's why they can't listen to the podcast because they're working on the record all day long <laughs> 24 right. hours a day those let's kids. go kids those kids tonight's t-shirt night they're like out there with the silk screen <laughs> but the process is you go ahead you make music you start playing in in clubs or bars or arenas you you make your own ep or something like that and then you wait for a record company to come sign you right that's well, the in, process in 2003, that yeah that was you were i think 2003 is the very end of new artists hoping for a major label deal like i don't know anybody who's who has any aspiration to be signed to a major label right now because it's just impossible they only sign like six guys a year and they only 
the major labels are only interested in stuff that will sell in the quadrillions. And most of my friends are making music that isn't going to, that just isn't designed uh, for that kind of massive audience. My, my record accepted, my record <laughs> was designed for all 7 billion inhabitants of the earth. But I didn't even, I mean, I didn't even try. I made the record on my own. I made a record label to put it out on. Um, and now I'm in the process of shopping it to uh, reviewers and, and right. bloggers and, and just I, my, my goal for 2021 is just to, to get the record an audience. The, if, if lightning were to hit, what would happen for me is a major label would approach me about placing songs into commercials and film and television, but they won't offer me a record deal. They will offer me assistance and placements and then I can use those placements to leverage the kind of live gigs I can get. And yeah. maybe the live gig leads to a larger Bigger internet audience. audience. And that's pretty much, that's it at this point. But in 2003, you could still sign a deal where you were like across the desk from a cigar chomping guy who was like, kid, we're going to make you a star and the whole package. Like, here's some tour money. Here's a three album deal. Go get some nice clothes and a haircut. And we're going to send you out to play 300 shows a year until you break. So it was the previous year, 2002, where Wilco learned that its label was, was dropping them, right? That their audience wasn't going to be big enough uh, for, for the label, right? right? And what was, how many, what, what are we talking? What, what did the label think Yankee Hotel Foxtrot would sell? Well, they were worried it wasn't going to sell at all, right? Like they had big hopes for Summer Teeth because being there had been such a, 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 a success for them because they had... They had anticipated it selling about 50,000 and it sold like a quarter of a million. But then right, summer quarter, teeth, but quarter of a million. So it, it turned a modest profit. That's a right. big number though. Yeah. I mean, you're making like, <laughs> all right. The well, record hold, company's hold. making like six bucks a record. So yeah, they made like, you know, they made a, a million and a half, $2 million off of being there. But this is a, this is a billion dollar company. All right, Ben Barton, let's go through Jules' discography. No, no, before shall we? you do that, listen, so the record business is like the movie business. Yes. Perfect. Jaws hits and Star Wars hits, and they're like, oh, wait, what? Like, we could do that? Like, we could, we could spend uh, $50 million on a movie and make a billion dollars? Well, why, why are we doing anything other than that? Right. Then they were like, oh, there's a reason why you should make small, like you should get singles and doubles and triples and home runs. And they were like, well, why? Why wouldn't we just, just send home, home runs? runs? Just try and get home runs. And so the movie business changes overnight. And that's what the same thing happens with the record business. And it's yep. basically thriller. Thriller just like made so like an unimaginable amount of money sold so many. They were like, F all the rest of it. The only point is to have thriller. That's what we need is more thriller. <laughs> And so yeah. they only signed people they thought were capable of making Thriller. They tried to guide them into Thriller. There was no sense. I mean, and, and it, uh, you know, it's a capitalist society. And so I assumed that there was a rationality to this, but they just swung for the fences and it was only these gargantuan hits. Um, rather than just trying to sign a whole motley crew of people. Um, and then it gets worse. The thing that happens to the movie industry and the music industry is the, the computers come in and the algorithms and they're like, Oh, yeah, wait, we all, don't even have to rely wrong. on tastemakers. Why should right. we send a human to listen to a band and say, I like this band, they'll be great. Like, F the humans. Like, let's just do more of this. And then they're really, really, really chasing their own tails. With yep. So yeah, now's the like, perfect time. So, so now's the perfect time. You, you do not like Jewel uh, before. No, I never liked her. After, never liked Jewel. But her debut album is pieces of you in 1995 like yeah she's a nobody from alaska her dad was a yodeler uh they sent her to that really good music uh school in the summer what's it called interlocking, interlocking. Yeah. yeah so she goes to that and then she goes to san diego and she is indeed living out of her car trying to make it as a singer songwriter and she's discovered um pieces of you goes diamond yeah which is 12 times platinum. 10 I mean, times. 10 million copies. Absolutely blows up. Absolutely blows up. Her follow-up is Spirit, four times platinum. And that's the album where the record company is impatient and wants more hits. And she talks to Neil Young, and Neil Young gives her this career advice. Don't worry about hits. Don't worry about radio. 
Just chase your art and do the work and you'll have a nice long career. Jeff Simons, does Jewel listen? I, I, I don't know. I've never spoken to her. I don't know if the techno record that comes out in 2003 was her chasing her vision or whether it was just it, a, just a terrible it goes, idea. But. It goes gold. This is 0304 in 2003 where she totally reinvents herself as a, a Britney Spears singer, loses the guitar and is suddenly trying to dance. And if, if you haven't seen her video for Intuition, please spend 30 seconds checking it out because it's, it's nothing like who she was before. So I'm asking, like, where do we draw the line at, at appreciating artists who change and grow and develop? And, and who are some artists who have done that at the cost of their career? And who are some you could think of who, like, changed and grew and developed but in the wrong way, just trying to chase money. Because where Jewel ends up is she'll then put out a country album in 2008, and then she'll put out a children's album. Oh, by the way, two holiday albums as well. The since, double holiday album. Since, I like it. Yeah. It's good work. Uh, yeah, good, good work. Uh, I mean, where, do you guys, where do you guys see all this? What do you see? So I always hated Jewel. I always thought she was super inauthentic. This is how much I hate Jewel. I thought that, I, I just looked it up, that What uh, If God Was One Of Us song was by her. No, that's and I was like, oh, that, that's not by her. That's how much I hate her. It's that I thought that song was by her. <laughs> no, she goes, who will save your soul, right? So yeah, you're on the right track. Whatever, sure. I, I never liked her. I thought she was super cheesy when she was a guitar singer songwriter. And then she turned out to be even cheesier as a techno artist, whatever. Um, I thought, I mean, basically, sometimes you'll just catch lightning in a bottle and then it just doesn't work out for you afterwards. And we've seen this repeatedly. I mean, there's a, there, I've chosen songs and people on here have chosen songs where it's like, oh, this is their best song and I wouldn't listen to the next record. Like, just go ahead and That's stop it. right out. where you yeah. are. Um, and then there are people who basically like never even really have one good song, just have a huge gigantic album that they sort of back, backed into. That's where I would put Jewel. And, I, and by the way, I don't like, I love that genre. I'm super into the female acoustic oh, singer songwriter yeah. genre over and over and over again. I love those songs. And you'll see, especially late 2000s, like I feature that, but she just never hit me right. Well, I also, mean, I can't believe that Neil Young's are going to call. Like if I were Neil, I would, he would be, I would she, be like, who was, is this prank call? Prank call and hang up. <laughs> No, she was opening for him. She was opening I know, for but him. I mean, this is why yeah. Bob Dylan never talks to anybody. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. Believe me, none of the openers for Bob Dylan have a story about Bob Dylan giving them advice. His advice <laughs> is stop talking to me. <laughs> Actually, it's better than that. Like, I read an, I read an uh, interview with Tony Garnier, who has been Dylan's bass player since 94. I mean, forever, 25 years. And he's their bass player magazine is interviewing Tony Garnier and Dylan comes up to him and he says like, Hey, we're going to start with uh, uh, sooner or later from blonde on blonde tonight. And Tony's like, Oh, thanks Bob. Walks away. And the interviewer's like, but it must be cool to just chat with Bob Dylan and talk about the set. And he's like, that's the first time Bob's spoken to me on this tour. <laughs> they were on show 58 of that year. He's like, I haven't spoken to him. That's the that's first. Amazing. So like, forget the fans. Bob doesn't talk to the band. You don't talk to anybody. That's the uh, way to do it. I think Jewel's a weird choice for um, the larger impossible question of do we forgive artists for changing who they are and can, you know, because I don't think she, and I actually just, I don't dislike Jewel with the same vehemence that uh, Ben does. I didn't like that record. I've never owned it. I, I thought she oversang the songs that were pretty good. And I thought the songs that were, not so good were under recorded. And then she made that terrible choice to put out that poetry book yeah. right away. Yeah. Do you yeah. remember that? That was really <laughs> oh, yeah. put out the record. Yeah. And then she put out like her, yeah. her high school diary as a book of poetry like that. I just feel like she got crunched under the, but, she's like one of those skulls in Terminator two being run over like that. The industry just, told right. her she was a genius when she was just figuring out how to do it. And then she's, and but there's to her credit, to her credit like, like make it a country record, make it a covers record, make it a covers record, make it a covers record. She has a sweet voice. She's a beautiful woman. She could play the guitar pretty well. Like she should make cover records. And if people want to buy them, great. And if not, and she's not hurting anybody, but she's, I don't think Jewel is an artist. I think Jewel is a kid who accidentally got flung to the front of the pack and got out there like, ah, what the hell do I do? 
and then you see what happens. You end up making a techno record and thinking you have to. I mean, right? She, she's she's the anti Ani DeFranco. Like they're both. Oh, yeah. they're both the same age when they go off on their own. Um, yeah, that's perfect. She's the she should have gone to New York City instead of San Diego. Well, she also she Ani DeFranco's music was not going to sell 10 million copies because it's challenging and it's much more authentic and honest. And I mean, Jewel sounds like somebody trying to sound like other people, which is why Ben hates it. Whereas Annie DeFranco sounds like Annie DeFranco, which is why right. Ben loves it. All right. Well, welcome to 50 years of music with 50 year old white guys. I forgot to do our promo, so I'll do it now. We're part of the Drive-In Podcast Network. You got to go to musiccitydrivein.com. That's where you'll get the podcast articles, questions, answers, movie trailers, reviews. Our three songs. Yeah. All right, let's go. Our three songs. Who's first tonight? I'm going to go first because I'm going to head Jeff off at the pass. Oh, right. so no. All right. Uh, so the, the biggest record of this year and the most obvious selection is the outcast record. The outcast record is a gargantuan record that everybody listened to all year. The obvious song that chooses, Hey, ya, I'm not going to choose. Hey, ya. I am going to in fact choose happy Valentine's day, but let me just go ahead and give a little background and tell the story. So these two dudes from Atlanta meet in high school in the early nineties. And they're basically signed while they're in high school. Wow. Uh, and their first record, Southern, and I know you're going to try and pronounce it, but it's like eight words all piled together. Um, Southern <laughs> player, Cadillac music are all together in this thing. <laughs> it's basically like a bunch of like pimp stories and it's still outstanding. First of all, like Outcast is great. Everything up until this record is unbelievable. Like you cannot go wrong with it. Each record is great. Then they, and that record's a medium-sized hit for them. And it basically puts Atlanta on the map. Like there had not been an Atlanta rap act before them. That record's a pretty big hit. Um, and then there was Goody Mob and some other people down there, LaFace Records. So um, then they put out two more records um, and they just keep getting weirder. Like their records, like they have this like, uh, Andre 3000 is like going, first of all, he becomes a vegetarian. He stops smoking pot. He basically stops drinking because a vegan he's a super interesting guy um and they have this whole tale where they're like actual aliens they come from space they've got this whole weird like wow. funkadelic thing where they got a whole background story um stanconi is actually the best record and that's what the critics think and that's basically what i think that came out in 2000 so i couldn't choose that it's up against the um radiohead from that year my favorite um outcast song is actually gasoline dreams the burn motherfucker burn american dream i love that one <laughs> um but this is the year like this record sold i don't know like millions and millions and millions of copies after stankonia comes out they put they do the weird thing where they put out the greatest hits record and so i, I at least i was like oh that we're at the tail end you're of at, this. right then they're recording solo records and they're not getting along and andre's moved to la and big boy's still in atlanta they put out the two solo records as a double album where Big Boy's got his own one, that speaker box, and then um, Under 3000's got uh, The Love Below. And it's, so it's weird. Their best work is together. Um, and each, they, because it's a double album, there's unlistenable bad stuff on yeah. both records. That being said, the peaks of these records are unbelievable. I think Hey Ya is the best number one hit of the 2000s. That would be my take on it. Like, Hey Ya is just a perfect pop Fun. song. Yeah. And yet still, it's not my selection. My selection is Happy Valentine's Day. Um, he, uh, under 3000, basically sort of, kind of sort of stopped rapping and started singing. And actually a lot of people will look to Kanye as the person who broke this, but it's, in my opinion, it's actually outcast. Like, this is where you begin this process where rap really spreads out into this bizarre collage of different things. And Under 3000 is kind of the first guy. Um, and then actually it's super weird. They, they're not getting along. They put out these two solo records. It's an outcast record. They take another in a three year break. They put out Idlewild, which I think Jeff will agree, not good. The movie's not good. The record's not good. They take a full on break. 
under 3000 basically is like an actor. He'll sometimes produce things. He's like, all of his guest verses are great. Um, he's a little bit like uh, J.D. Salinger or um, Ralph Ellison, where it's that's like, a great, that's a great he, comparison. He's put out the work that he has to talk about. And then he's like, oh, I'm like in semi-retirement now. Like he's like, barely does anything. Everything that he does is amazing. Um, and everybody he chooses is great. He's got several Frank Ocean songs, which are amazing. He's got an Anderson Pack song. His taste is impeccable in what he does. Have you heard the Gorillaz song he's on? Oh, yeah. It's crazy. Great. It's crazy. Yeah. His, and so this is why I choose, like, Hey Ya is only singing. Or so there's some mumbling. <laughs> but Happy Valentine's Day has got the whole thing. It's got a 50-second rap verse by him. It's got singing by him. It's got talking by him. It's a five and a half minute song and it's actually really hard to choose. I like kept going back and forth whether to start in the middle with the rap or not. But honestly, the best part is to start at the very beginning. Listen for the Prince James Brown guitar part. I was hooked the second I heard it. Happy Valentine's Day by Outkast. My name is Cupid Valentino, the modern day Cupid. And I just want to say one thing. Happy Valentine's Day. I don't think y'all heard me. I just want to say Happy Valentine's Day. Can y'all dig that? Now, when arrows don't penetrate, see. Ah, yeah, now, now look at here, he shoots straight. For your heart Now And he won't miss you But that's alright Y'all won't believe in me anyway But You won't believe in me Yeah, so wow. I love that one. It's wow. very appropriate on the date of my daughter's birth. Her name is Georgia. Um, they're a super <laughs> Atlanta act, and I love it for that. If you haven't been to Atlanta, I, Tim, you've probably spent a medium amount I of mean, time in Atlanta along yeah, with me. I mean, it's amazing. I, I was there uh, when they hit, so I, I kind of – I tracked Tupac in Vegas and Big Boy in Atlanta. So this is great. Yeah, so there's a version of Atlanta where you're like, oh, it's just Dallas and Phoenix and Houston. It's just a big crappy town with no center and a bunch of exurbs. Uh -huh. But if you actually get to know it and spend some time in it, it's an amazing, amazing place. And these guys capture the vibe of it so beautifully and perfectly. Um, and if you haven't seen the TV show Atlanta, it's actually oh, partially so inspired by Outkast. So great. And it's got all of the same stuff. It's, first of all, the TV show and Outcast, especially Andre's work, has this, whole, this amazing sense of humor. Like Happy Valentine's Day and the, the vampire song and Hey Ya are laugh out loud funny. Like he is so freaking hilarious. Yeah. And super weird. He's got this whole like sci-fi vibe to it. And he's got this African-American experience. And like, uh, this is why Gasoline Dreams is my favorite. I mean, they've got a huge social justice mission that goes along with it. Like the mash of all these things together. They're a super unique act. Love it. Great stuff. Love them. Jeff, you're nodding your head all along. Oh, yeah. Well, he did totally steal my thunder. I mean, we can't. <laughs> We can't have a 2003 podcast uh, without Hey Ya. I agree. It's the, it's the great unifying single of the decade. Like mu music fans have just splintered. Like uh -huh. there is no song everybody loves anymore. There just aren't. Like I'm looking at the top blanks of 2020 from every website and they can't even agree to have a top one top 20. It's like top 20 rock, top 20 alt rock, top 20 right. math rock, top 20 shoegaze rock. Top It's ridiculous. Like, you know, there is no center to the musical world anymore in the way that there used to be. And, and I think 2003 is, is there is a moment where every single person who loves music in America knows what one, two, three, bomb it means. Like we all, and we're all like, yeah, that's the one I want to hear. I only want to hear that song today. Um, and I don't think it happens again for another eight years until we get to the early 2000s with one of my picks. But um 
But it's I also, think- it's still the truth in 2020. I don't know when the last time you were at a wedding, but oh, when they oh. start, hey, yeah, and you yeah, get to everybody. do the shake it like a Polaroid picture on the everybody floor, was out there. everybody comes out. Everybody our age comes out. All the kids come out. Yeah. yeah. Banger. It's, it's like September yep. by Earth, Wind & Fire. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, <laughs> it's going to be that song forever. It's, it's just an undeniable, perfect pop song. And this record... I mean, it, you know, Ben's perfectly captured it. Like, it's too long and it's weird, but like the high points, like ghetto music, the way you move, the song Ben picked, I, the version of my favorite things on this record. Oh, it's, it's beautiful. Spectacular. It's <laughs> off the charts, amazing. Like, it's a great, great record. Roses is great. Like, yeah. So, Hey Ya should be my pick, but I'm not going to do that. Oh, wait, I'm hold on. One last thing before we move on. Man. I forgot to say it. Um, don't sleep on big boy all not some all of the big boy solo records are great i've seen him i don't know four or five times and he puts on a hell of a show he's great and the record's great the the rooster's my favorite from speaker box but i mean he's just like it's an undeniable force of nature he's the og i mean he he broke killer mike like he's the reason why atlanta rap exists yep and I mean, awesome. Big Boy is going to be, um, yeah, Big, I mean, I'm not, I don't stay deep in the hip hop the way Ben does, but like everything Big Boy, like when I hear a hip hop song, I'm like, boy, I love that. Big Boy's usually got his fingerprints all over it. So, <laughs> I love these guys. And I actually, I was sad when they couldn't hold it together, but it, oh. was the, it was the right call. You know what I mean? There's no like embarrassing outcast record that, that haunts Well, Idlewild's not good. But it's not, I mean... It's not embarrassing, that's fair. It's one record, you know what I mean? Like, you But know. the other thing is, for me, it's a little bit like like Bill Waterson. It's like, like yes. just, I would just yeah. prefer more. Just give right. me, you know, whatever. Like, you don't have to, like, hold back. I mean, it's not... I, I, again, I'm a fan. He's the artist. He gets to do what he likes. He's given me more than my due, for sure. That being said, if he just wants to sit and mumble, like, there's a yeah. bunch of stuff on this record <laughs> where he's just, like, mumbling, and I'm like, oh, yes, more like that, please. I love it. <laughs> I'm all on board. So, anyway, Hey Ya would have been my pick if Ben hadn't have just, like, completely uh, Well, now, now that you've mentioned it, give, give the folks 10 seconds. One, two, three, uh. My baby don't mess around because she loves me so and this I know for sure. All right, great. All, All right, right, so let's change gears. I'll we'll go, wait, I'll, wait. I'll go just, to backup. We'll just say that that is uh, an agreed upon great song by all three of us for 2003. Yeah, no doubt. Secretly the song of the year. Go. Secretly. So let's go the other direction. Let's go with a totally different sound and production approach. Um, my, the other, for me, uh, the other song that towers over 2003 uh, is by a duo um, that... Uh, Everybody knows this is the White Stripes year for me. Like not everybody else would probably pick 2001 and go with the record that had fell in love with a girl on it. The White Stripes start in Detroit. Uh, Jack White and Meg White are husband and wife, or I think start as just together. Then they get married. Then they divorce. Then they stay a musical duo and they tell everybody that they're brother and sister, even though they aren't. Um, they are geniuses at creating mythology. One of the things I love most about Jack White is just the all in on you create a cool mythology and you stick with it, right? I love the, the red and white everything color scheme. I love the fake background. I love all of that rock and roll imaginary posturing. And I particularly love it because it's so wonderfully inauthentic, right? Like, they invent this hilarious backstory, none of which is true in a moment when Americans demand more and more and more authenticity. Like it's the perfect year for 50 Cent to be number one because 50 Cent's calling card was, I've been shot nine times, guess what a great artist. Like, you know how great an artist I am? I got shot nine times, (laughs) right? The cover of the record is him shirtless with bullet wounds and broken glass, right? Like as if, being the victim of a crime makes you an artist. But that's where we were in 2003. Like every word you say better be real and everything you say you that happened to you better be exactly what happened and we're gonna run it through court testimony. And it's, it does a tremendous disservice to art. And it's a peculiarly American thing. I think it's a peculiarly African-American thing. Like Americans demand 
wild authenticity from their African-American artists in ways okay. that they give other white artists a pass. But I love that in this moment of like, this is my truth and this is who I am. And every word comes from the depths of my soul. Jack White's like, yeah, it's my sister Meg and we're from nowhere. And here's a two minute <laughs> song played at a thousand miles an hour. Like he just ran screaming from to a, a visionary imagined place where these two like Northern city kids could be hillbillies from question mark. And they, they chuck the band and they chuck, any kind of traditional. A lot of people say that they stole their whole thing from a North Carolina duo called the Flat Duo Jets, who in the late 80s made a series of records that was just uh, guitar and drums. And the Flat Duo Jets were cool, but they didn't have this rocket sauce that the White Stripes did. I've seen the White Stripes a couple of times. Um, and there's, they are, Jack White is just one of the all time great dynamic performers oh, for sure. of his generation. He's just mesmerizing. And he's Meg, a house band at Bonnaroo. I've seen all of it. Oh, yeah. I've seen yeah. him solo. I've seen the White yeah. Stripe several times. Um, the Rack on Tours. I saw the one where he plays drums with the feet. The Dead Weather. Yeah. They're, all, they're all recommendable because White... The other thing I love about Jack White is he sounds like himself. He's the rare musician who sounds like himself when he's playing. Jack White's guitar tone and the way he attacks a guitar is unmistakable instantaneously. So... That's the difference between this duo and other kind of over-stylized attempts to reinvent rock and roll. Like, yes, Jack White's full of shit and Meg can't play very well and they're aping old blues records sometimes, which is why I didn't like the records. Like, I liked the whole concept of the White Stripes, but I bought that little white, whatever that, that third record is called. I was like, meh, Elephant. In 2003, they get it all right. They get... They get the mythology and the playing and the sound and the production and most importantly, the songwriting. And it just comes all together. Elephant is one of my favorite rock records of all time. It's easily my favorite White Stripes record. And there's one song on that record that is my favorite White Stripes song by a wild mile. And it's not one of the two minute blasters. Like I, I love when those little short songs come on, but what Jack White's about for me is the rise and fall, right? Like builds it up, builds it up, builds it up. And then he literally slows down the tempo. He breaks all the rules of, of live performance. Like, you know, you, you can't speed up and slow down and the songs have to have be pithy and short. And so the song is Ball and Biscuit, oh, which is it's just <laughs> so a great. killer. Just so absolutely great. All the way through, like I, I'm not listening to this song three, four hundred times, and I get lost in it every time. He, he tears off two unbelievable solos, but really, what he does is he sums up the whole White Stripes thing in six or seven, whatever long this is, seven minutes, right? Like we don't sound like anybody else, we don't play like anybody else, we are kind of full of it, but we're also like so playing this song like it's the last thing we will ever do. So while the, <laughs> while the whole story's inauthentic, there's nothing more authentic than the, than the performance. And Jack White is just a classic American showman. He is Mark Twain. He is like, he is the voice that rises out of nowhere and speaks for everyone and then disappears. And you're like, did anybody, does anybody know that guy? And that's, that's why I love this song in particular, and it's my backup for 2003. Ball and Biscuit by the White Stripes. Time I'm done 
have a ball and a biscuit, sugar And take our sweet little time about it Let's have a ball, girl And take our sweet little time about it Tell everybody in the place to just get out And we'll get clean together And I'll find me a soapbox where I can shout it A little Jack White guitar for everybody It's a song to get lost in. That's a kick-ass tune. Good stuff. Ben Barton, do you like the uh, Jack Black? Jack I White? Do. I love the White Stripes. The hardest button to button is my favorite on this uh, record. Yeah. A Girl, You uh, Have No Faith in Medicine also I love from this record. Yeah, this one's a banger, and he's great. Um, I actually think that it's, it's not even that he's imitating old blues things. It's actually a remix of Led Zeppelin with weirder lyrics um, it's like, but he's really self-conscious about it. Like he's very aware of where he sits in this timeline. Um, he, he, he does a duo on purpose. Like it's a, it's an actual thing where he's like, Oh, I'm just going to like strip it down. It's a little bit like writing a haiku as a poem. Like he's like, there, when there's only two people, there's strict rules. And one of them is a drummer. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. He's got to fill in so much space. It is actually weirdly freeing for him as an artist. That's how I experience it. Um, and yeah, this one was amazing. And I, I remember really vividly the first couple of records, I was like, wow, what are they doing? And it was, it was a little off-putting. It took me a while to get into it. And this was the record that really sort of greased the skids for me. Right, because yeah. there are other instruments out there. He could hire other people. Well, now, oh, yeah, no, dude, right? now he's got yeah. the big band and the three backgrounds. Oh, does he really? And it's cool, but it, he went all, he went red and white to blue and black. I mean, the thing I love about Jack White is he's so like, He's so consistent. Like, all right, I, I did a whole stripped down thing in one color palette, and I'm going completely the other direction. I'm going to go totally different colors. I'm going to make a huge band stage. I'm going to hire all these pros. And I mean, I like everything he does. I like some things more than others. Um, yeah, and so basically backstage at Bonnaroo, there's like an artist area, but it's not really an artist area. It's an industry area. Like right. nobody who's a major artist comes back there because they would be mobbed by losers like me who are there. Dude, and, I'm standing right next to me. you for this story. <laughs> What just got tell it then? Well, no, I mean, I was like, we're, we were waiting in line for ice cream at the ice cream man <laughs> truck. And I turn around and I'm like, Jack Black is in line behind me for ice Jack cream. Jack White. Jack White. And, and not, not incognito. No, either. in the red. You will sometimes no. catch, like, you'll sometimes catch a guy um, who's like, you know, on the basis of such and such band. And I'm like, I just saw you. Great set. Yeah. And he was Jack White in the full, he's got a white hat on, <laughs> a full white suit. And it's Tennessee in June. It's a jillion yeah. degrees. He's not breaking a sweat at all. And he's got like his whole like retinue with him following along behind him. And yeah, I mean, yeah. he's from Nashville. He's living in Nashville now. So yeah. he knows everybody. Everybody's coming to talk to him. And he was like, I didn't stay in my trailer. Do you know why? Because I wanted to come out here and watch all y'all kiss my ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Meg is like eight feet behind him. Just like. Sitting oh, there she does not like talking to people. Yeah, she's just kind of waving back and forth. That, oh. that was great. That was the all-time great uh, backstage moment for me at Bonnaroo. Was when, just like, oh, well, hello, sir. And then you're like, <laughs> it was like 20 minutes before the set. Like, I remember, like, we got our ice cream, and then you and I went to get a good spot, and then he went up there and played for like two and a half hours. Yeah. Fantastic. Eat, eating his ice cream. Ah, oh, good stuff, good stuff. Well, I am going to change things uh, dramatically as well. Are you ready? Do it. All right. I've got, uh, I'm in Atlanta. I'm the dean at Pace Academy, and I've got these two students who are dating, Zach and Laura, and they bring me a tape. And they say, Mr. Plain, you have to listen to this. Uh, I'm like, who is it? And they tell me who it is. And I'm like, ah, I don't know. But I went and I played. Uh, and it was awesome. And I've listened to it so many times since. This must have been 2005 because they put a bunch of albums onto this. Um, Zach and Laura then went away to college, 
one in Washington, one in Maine. And I'm like, well, that relationship's over. High school relationships never last. They stuck it out. They're married. And they just had their baby this year in 2020. Go, Zach and Laura. Hopefully named Timothy. Yeah, I was you know say. they 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 went in another direction. Don't, That's don't cold. worry about Forget that. Forget them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Next, we're gonna go with young Rufus Wainwright, Fourteenth Street. Fourteenth Street by Rufus Wainwright. You got my last brother's soul, my dear mother's eyes, brown horses man, and my. Ben Barton, where are you on Rufus Wainwright? Because it seems to me I never liked him. (laughs) Never liked. It seems to me this is this is extravagant pop. Yeah, I actually think Rufus is a remarkably talented guy. He's the son of Loudon Wainwright and one of the McGarrigal sisters, and I'm right. I don't remember which one. But uh, the first time I heard him sing, I was like, God, this guy is just like endlessly talented. And I think he is kind of like endlessly talented. I think he tries to do too much. And I think it's, well, he tries I, to, it tries to kitchen sink every song. Like there's a beautiful melody here and then it's replaced by a second and then a third and a fourth. And, and if, if they, they sound like songs <laughs> designed for a musical. Oh yeah. Than, well, yeah that's why I hate him. He's and I've really... written a few operas, right? I mean. And I just bummed about that. I wish he would, I wish he would, uh, I wish he would write songs rather than performances. Is that, does that make sense? Here's but I don't my... begrudge his talent. Like, I, right. I, like when Rufus Wainwright comes on, I don't stick around, but I don't, I totally understand people who get it because it's full of musicality. It's full of talent. It's just not the way I wish he would express that talent. Well, he's also, uh, I mean, this is the, the flip side of Jewel, right? He's doing his thing. You know, I I don't think he's guided by any um, anyone else but his own artistry. Maybe I don't know enough about him to know whether that's true or not. I mean, I always I mean, worry when I he hear write- something like this that I'm like, this is a song designed to impress rather than communicate. And and maybe that's unfair, but like when I feel like art is trying to show me how how good it is, it makes it harder for me to get inside it myself. Well, so dude, uh, are you ready? So- I looked yeah, up yeah. on Spotify because I was like, I wonder what the top five Rufus Wainwright songs are. Because I, I really don't like him. And I was like, right. but maybe there's one that I know. Because I actually, I have, I've heard enough. I have like on my iTunes, I have multiple albums by him. I have enough to know right. that I have an opinion that I don't like him. All right. So can you guess <laughs> the number one song? I have no idea. It's the wait, cover wait, of Hallelujah. Uh, it's the Leonard Cohen of song. Uh, That's his most famous song. You want to guess the number five song that explains everything about it? Cigarettes and chocolate milk. Oh no, it's baby, it's cold outside. Oh, it's a Christmas on, song. Cover. I'm just oh. saying that's where we're at, my brother. Yeah, <laughs> I, I really like his song "Going to a Town." Is that that's number song? three? That that's a great song. That's one where he put it all together, and I was like, okay, this I get, but he has not been able to sustain it for me beyond uh, so, the occasional moment. So he's but got one, that two, three. To that song kicks ass. He's got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten uh, studio albums. One of them is wow. the one where he, where he did like nine Shakespeare sonnets and put them to music. So he's got uh, oh, I mean, the classic he, sonnet album. Do, yeah, do you want do you want the big uh, the big factoid that I know that I'm keeping from you? Yeah, he t- he went to Interlochen the same year as Jewel. 
Look at that. <laughs> I love it. Classmates Dude. at interlocking. Yeah. That was a good year. Dude, can you yeah, believe right? people from that summer together yeah. sold 27 million records or something? That's, a, that's freaking That's amazing. fantastic. And here's they the thing that's funny is I bet Jewel likes his dad's music more than Rufus likes his dad's music. Oh, oh yeah. There's some fair. Rufus Rufus Loudon stories that uh, that are, aren't, aren't too great. Uh, you know who's a big uh or was a big fan was uh david bowie you both like david bowie sure i do yes same kind of theatrical <laughs> approach i don't like all david like. bowie this is where we're going now you're gonna have okay. david bowie as your defense that's right i don't why do you have to defend i i was i thought i was measured and clear you know zoom my, doesn't lie Jeff Simons. For no this no power. You have a white backdrop. Maybe in your bedroom with that dark wood, you could hide your distaste. But once I said Rufus Wainwright. Oh, come on. I even <laughs> pulled a song I like out of my hat for you. That I like that good. song. I like that going to a town song. It could song. be worse. I thought we were getting Jewel for sure. I thought we were <laughs> locked in on Jewel. I was worried, man. You had me a little, you had, did have me a little startled. This is out. a squirrely spot, though, for sure. So I like ben, it. It's good. It's good. Ben's, it's good. Ben's like, oh, yeah, I've got a few albums on my I also iPod. love that, like, <laughs> Tim's got a story behind everything. Like, every time Tim picks a, when he's like, all right, here we go. I'm like, what? What childhood fawn did he nurse back to health with this song in the background that makes it the best song of that year? Like you are such a heart on your sleeve, dude. I so appreciate that. Like uh, Ben and I are these like soulless critics. We're like, oh, well, you know, the sound of music was changing and this song and you're yeah. like, you know, I bought a puppy to this song and it's the best song of the year. I love that. I'm sorry, rescued a puppy. That's right, that's one. right. I would never buy one. <laughs> Dear God. Uh, all right, awesome. gentlemen, it is time to call it a day. We need to get serious, however, about what this podcast becomes after we run out of 50 years. So I want oh, did proposals. we get another 16, 17 years. We'll be fine. That's we'll 17 weeks. We can worry about that. Listen, I'm I not in the proposals. business of worrying about next no, week. We're, we're all on break right now. This is the time. Um, can oh, I top three self-promote before we? Yes, uh, shameless so, self-promotion, Jeff Simon. Thank you. I don't know how many listeners of this podcast have have uh, experienced the cross-pollination of checking out my my solo record, but uh, it stuff. is up. It is everywhere. Um, you can listen to it on Spotify, Apple Music, Pandora, Deezer, whatever the hell that is. Like I'm, a, I, I've now Deezer. been. Uh, wow. It's now on several Russian mafia MP3 ripoff sites. <laughs> um, so you, if you type Jeff Simon's River Run into the internet, any manner of thing of available things. Um, and I please beg, borrow, steal, share, like, spelunk, like whatever you crazy kids can do to help River Run make it out into the world. I am endlessly grateful. But if you, uh, if you are looking for some music to listen to, I would be, uh, I would be super grateful for a spin. And, uh, and if you, you know, if you want to go even further and, and let us know what you think, um, I'm uh, wide, wide open to knowing that people are listening. So I'm definitely thanks in advance, uh, 50 years of music family for, uh, for accepting what well, I'm sure will be the first of many shameless yeah. self promotions by yours truly about this and, record. And if you've ever had uh, your heart broken music, I've forgotten by Jeff Simons on river run. Oh, go ahead. There you go. If somebody pulled your heart out on Christmas day, I've got you covered. That's yeah, great. totally. And the the first single, Kiss of Me, beautiful piece Excellent. of pop music. Just Excellent. gorgeous. Make guitar playing, yeah. terrific riff, wonderful. Yep. Go Florida. Whew. All right, gentlemen. <laughs> nice job tonight. Hey, if you're having as much fun as we are, leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a rating on Spotify iHeartRadio. Wherever you listen to podcasts, give us a shout. And then check us out on Twitter or at our Facebook page, 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. We're the founders of Electrocast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electrocast networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. 
We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electrocast Podcasts and hear the culture. Electrocast. Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on Electrocast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. Electrocast.